Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello and welcome to Okay-ish. As always, I am Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health counselor and a very okay-ish human being. Today, I am so, so excited because I have with me one of my good friends, Renee LaPointe. Renee is the owner of the Mediation Center in Rochester, New York. She's been in private practice for 12 years and has worked with hundreds of couples going through separation and divorce. She is an accredited member of the New York State Council on Divorce Mediation. She's also the current president of Rochester Association of Family Mediators and the immediate past president of the New York State Council on Divorce Mediation and serves as the vice president on the board of the Collaborative Law Association of the Rochester area. Don't worry, she'll explain what all this means in a second. (laughs) Um, Her undergraduate degree is in psychology and sociology, and she actually has a master's in counseling. So she worked as a counselor, but when Renee uh, went through her own mediated divorce, when her three children were young, and that helped her find her way into the field of mediation through that experience. Parenting her children and ensuring their emotional health has been a priority in her personal life and is also a priority for Renee when she's working with couples in the mediation center. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for coming on, Renee. Well, thanks so much for having me. We're happy to be here. I didn't know. I've known you for a long time and I didn't know you were the fancy president of all these different mediation associations. (laughs) (laughs) Now you know. Now everybody knows. <laughs> it's so so fancy. Can you first start off by telling us like what divorce mediation is, what you do? I'm sure we've all heard of it, but like what does that mean? What do you do? I know you've worked with hundreds of couples. Um, but if you could just go in a little bit depth about that. Sure. So mediation is a process option for couples separating or divorcing that does a few different things. It keeps couples out of court keeps attorney involvement minimal, keeps your costs down. What I think mediation most importantly does is keep the decision-making with the couple themselves. So they have to make all the same decisions they would in a court-based process with attorneys. Um, It's just how they're making the decisions is different in mediation. So very generally, uh, I sit down with the couple This past year, it's been more over Zoom and virtually, uh, but it's nice to have that option uh, to allow us, you know, I have clients now that are living across the country uh, that couldn't be here in normal situations before we all got more used to doing things virtually. Uh, So it's it's another great tool for mediation that we can now do virtual sessions. Um, But anyway, couples, have to make those same decisions. It's just how they're doing it. So I have a private office that I am now seeing people in person again um, after the crazy year of 2020. Um, Most people prefer to come in in person, but again, I do work with people virtually as well. Um, 
so we have to talk about parenting if they have children together. We have to talk about the distribution of all assets and liabilities acquired during the marriage. And we have to talk about support, uh, child support and spouse support. So those are the three big buckets uh, that people have to talk about, whether they're in mediation or a court-based process. Um, and it's so important that couples know that they have options. They don't have to go to court. If anybody's ever been in a court-based process, you know you really don't want to be there. Um, although mediation isn't for everybody, I get that too, um, it's important to know they can choose. So I have to ask you, I, I know a little bit of this now because I've been working with you, so I've learned a lot from you. But before I started working with you, I'm sure lots of other people have this experience too. On this podcast, I talk about like misconceptions and like translating fancy terms. And before I learned from you, all I saw was like what was on TV, right? I'm going to take you to court. I'm going to take you for everything you're worth. Uh, I'm going to go serve you. And like... Oh, is that really how it is? The, the couples I work with are generally lower conflict because they've self-selected the mediation process. So they've already decided they'd like to go through a more amicable process. They don't want to take each other to the cleaners. Uh, they want to come up with an agreement that's going to be the best for the kids, the best for themselves, um, and is going to be durable and sustainable. Um, and they want to make those decisions themselves. They want to stay in, in control of those decisions. So, um, no, it absolutely does not have to be uh, like on television. Um, only 2 to 3% of all divorces go to trial, which is what is depicted in the movies, right, with the judge making the final decision. So that's a really low percentage. Um, people who are in a contested divorce process and have attorneys speaking for them, the attorneys are generally making the decisions, you know, outside of a trial setting, whether it's in judges' chambers, whether it's, you know, talking between the attorneys themselves. So very few cases go to trial uh, anyway. Um, but mediation really allows people that self-determination piece that they lose as soon as they hand over any decision-making to attorneys or a judge. Wow. Wow. And I feel like it is so misconstrued. Like, I, again, I, um, I have never been through a divorce myself, so I don't, I don't know what it's like. Right. And so you hear, I feel like you hear the worst of the worst stories and then people make assumptions off of, oh, this is how it is. But it sounds like from what you've told me and what you're saying now, divorces can actually go fairly smoothly in the mediation process. They can. I'm, I'm not here to tell you that divorce is easy because it isn't. Um, it's it's been divorce is compared to the loss of a loved one. I mean, that's the level of grief um, that people experience. It's a huge loss. Uh, there's many fears uh, about moving forward, uh, all of the unknowns that people don't have. Um, and fears can really um, set the tone for moving through a divorce. Um, a, lot of, a lot of fears can control the process if they're unchecked. So a lot of what uh, I do with couples is address those underlying fears, address those needs. You know, it may not be about who's getting the toaster or the sofa. 
right? It's something else is probably fueling that discussion. And I don't mean to minimize um, any part of this process, but it's important to understand and address those underlying needs and fears for people to be able to move forward in the most healthy way. How does that relate to mental health? Like, how do you manage that fine line of, because as a mediator, you're not a therapist, um, but you are addressing the underlying things, even if we don't realize it. So how do you kind of like balance that? It's not easy. Um, Mediators have to stay in that neutral role so that we are attending to both parties in the room. And at the same time, we're human, so we have our own stuff going on. So we have to keep our own agenda in check um, and and walk that line and make sure each party is being heard. We have to balance the power in the room if there's any kind of a power imbalance. But emotions play a huge part in moving through this process. Every decision has an emotional component to it. I don't know how it can. So depending on where somebody is in their grief cycle, things one day can look very different than the next, depending on where people are landing. Um, And that's okay. I want to normalize the experience for people. Divorce is not easy. It's not fun. It's a very difficult, challenging thing to go through. Uh, So setting up the process that's healthiest for the couple to address those underlying needs is only going to make for a a more durable agreement uh, for both of them moving forward. Um, Mental health in mediation is is a huge issue. And I think that my background in the mental health uh, industry helps me sit with couples in, in that, in their conflict, in their grief, in any emotions that are coming out. Silence is a tool I use a lot. Um, because letting people sit and be present and process uh, is something that mediation can offer couples that something in, in a less kind process will do. One thing that, speaking of like these emotions and these fears, one thing that I know you and I have talked about, but I talk with my clients a lot, whether they're going through a divorce or another very stressful life event, is to not make any big decisions. Right. Like not make any big decisions when you're, you know, sobbing on the floor, like you're not going to make the best decision. And so I imagine in divorce, that's very hard because emotions are all over the place. So like as a mediator, how are you able to mediate when people are like when you can like see people making decisions based off of their emotions versus based off of what they might actually like want or need or what's best for them? I think everybody's process looks different. And I think acknowledging where people are at any given time is important. If I see somebody who is not in a good emotional place, maybe we end the session for that day um, and we take time to reset and decide to meet again. Mediation is a process that's very customizable for people. So um, we can move at whatever pace people are comfortable with. It's not like you have to be in court on this day at this time uh, to be heard. And if you're having a bad day, it doesn't matter. In mediation, if you're having a bad day and you need to reschedule, then we're going to reschedule. Well, it's, it's critical to be in the best place you can when you're making these decisions. And to your point, 
people are not the best versions of themselves when they're moving through this process. When people are in crisis, retention isn't there. You can't focus. Um, you need to take time to process decisions. Think of long-term uh, impacts and implications. So this process allows people to move at that pace, whatever they need. Now, people are oftentimes in different places emotionally when they come in my office. So one person has made the decision for the divorce. The other person doesn't want a divorce. So you have to balance all that out and move them at a pace that is comfortable for both of them. It may be so, too slow for one person. It may be too fast for the other one. So you've got to find that balance. They're both going to benefit from finding that balance and from making good informed decisions, which is an important part of this process. I am so glad you brought that up because I think I've shared with you before, when I see couples for couples counseling, sometimes it happens, but most of the time, one or both of them has already made the decision that they want out. And then, you know, they're kind of using counseling as like a last ditch effort. So I'm all about preventative couples counseling. <laughs> Do not come when it's a last ditch effort because it's not my job to change one or both of your minds. You know, can we work on effectively communicating how to go about things? Absolutely. But I feel like one of the hardest things about working with couples is when I can very clearly see that one person's out and the other person maybe is in denial or can't quite see it yet. It's it's really tough. Yeah, agreed. Um, and you're right. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. Although I'm a divorce mediator, if I have a couple in my office and I'm hearing from both of them that they're not sure they want to be in my office, I'm sending them back to you or to somebody else for some couples work. I, I, I want to be available to offer this process for couples who at least one of them is sure this needs to happen and they need to come apart and then work with them to create that most healthy agreement for everybody moving forward. But if there's doubt on both sides for both of them, I want to refer them back to work on the relationship. Um, you know, especially when there's children involved, turn every stone. Um, and, you know, if you try and it doesn't work, then you come back to me. You know, it's important for couples to understand just because they start a process like this doesn't mean they have to finish it. You can change your mind. You can learn new things. I have couples that come through and do a couple sessions and reevaluate things because they're communicating again in my office things that they haven't talked about before. They're hearing new stuff. Hey, we're going to time out this and go go work on things. So, you know, just because you choose one process or the other, which is also true in a court-based process, doesn't mean you can't end it and get out and do something different. That's great. I'm really glad you said that because I feel like so often the the D word, the divorce word is thrown around, right? And then it feels like, okay, there's no coming back. And maybe there shouldn't be. Maybe divorce is the best option, um, but not in every case. And so being able to kind of like work through that is really, really neat. Do you see, do you see people who are, um, how do I want to say this? Say... I guess I'm going to say thankful for you. Like, do you see people who 
because divorce is such a, a scary, horrible, grief-ridden, traumatic thing. Do you see people who also like you see the hope in both of the people and the um I don't want to say excitement for the future, but um the recognizing that there could be like a new path for them. Do you ever see that? I do. Um, along with this being a very sad time and a scary time for people, focusing on some future things can shift their perspective. Um, and I think this process really allows people to be able to do that. They can focus on their shared goals. They can talk about their independent goals in terms of helping them to structure whatever agreement they come to. So, yeah, you know, people are very grateful to stay out of court. Uh, people are very grateful to be given the space, that neutral space, to be able to talk about their stuff and try on different options to see what, what's going to stick. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. People, you know, married couples have multi-level relationships, right? If they have children, their parents. Um figuring out how to be the best co-parents once they're no longer in that marriage relationship is critical to how well their kids are going to do together. So I really stress the co-parenting piece, um, structuring an agreement with parenting that's going to work not just today and tomorrow, but long term uh, for people so that the kids can do their very best um, to thrive. And, and kids can Right. So, you know, that's interesting because I, I want to talk about kids for a second because this is this is what I tell people, at least. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but, you know, lots of people are like, we got to stay together for the kids. We got to stay together for the kids. Right. That's that's what we hear. That's what we've been told. But at least what I've seen in my work is those those people who stayed together for the kids, those kids are now grown up and saying, I wish my parents had gotten divorced. Like it was miserable. So. I feel like staying together for the kids, and I'm using air quotes here, is a thing of the past because seeing happy parents, seeing successful parents, seeing parents communicating with each other with healthy boundaries and, you know, all of that is much healthier for kids than parents being in a miserable marriage. I just want to hear what, what you have to say about that. Uh, absolutely. And I'm happy to hear that's what you tell oh, people. <laughs> I, I agree. And listen, there are different philosophies out there. And that's one of the misconceptions I hear a lot in my office is that we have to stay together for the kids. Um, you don't want to model a bad relationship for your children. That's setting them up for bad relationships of their own in the future. They need two happy, healthy parents whether you're living together as a married couple or if you're living separately. The most important thing to your children, in my opinion, is that they have two happy, healthy parents. So I was reading an article and, oh my goodness, I don't know what it's called, but this new thing that some parents are trying where the kids stay in the house and the parents go in and out. Nesting. Nesting? Nesting. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that seems so not healthy to me. <laughs> well... You know, I often talk to couples about nesting and I have a lot of couples who do nest. I think it's a it's an option. I think it's good it's a good option for a limited amount of time. Okay. Um so it's super challenging from a financial perspective 
to be sharing one household and all those expenses than to come apart and have to support two households with what can be the same amount of income, but you're really increasing those expenses. So a lot of couples need time for that transition. You know, they may want to keep the kids in the marital residence for a certain amount of time, whether it's to finish school or just not to give too much change all at once. So they will decide to nest. Um, it's it, And again, it's not a bad option for couples temporarily speaking i don't see it working well long term because then you're not able to move on in other parts of your life um and it really depends on the level of conflict between the couple whether whether it's a realistically good idea or not so i have a lot of couples and maybe you don't know the answer to this and i'm sure that it's different for different people right people have to figure out what works for them which is Part of why mediation is so great, because they have the opportunity to do that. Like you said, try on different options. But I have um, worked with a fair amount of divorced people or people going through divorce who still want to do holidays all together with the kids, vacations all together with the kids, that kind of thing. And I often will tell people, you know, if you're able to, right? Like do what's best for you. But also we don't want to confuse the kids, especially when it's little kids. Um, We don't want to confuse the kids to be like, wait, we're living apart, but we're spending all these holidays together. Maybe mom and dad will get back together. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's complicated. I think you've, you've got to look at the developmental ages of the kids, um, right? Which I think is what you're suggesting. Uh, I, I think, I don't think it's a bad idea to to spend some holidays together you know I always tell my couples you're redefining your family you're not ending it so being clear about what the new definition is I think is important for the parents to be on the same page with and then communicate that at an age-appropriate level to the children Um, I know in my own divorce we would always spend uh, Christmas morning together until the idea of Santa Claus was no longer real um, so that we could share that time and excitement with the kids because that's what it's about, um, at least in my family, uh, for the kids was Christmas morning and Santa. So we would go in together on the, the Santa gifts um, and want to both be present for, for them opening it and excitement. Um, and, you know, we did, we sort of squ- scribbled lines differently. They don't have to go in a straight line when you're doing this co-parenting thing. You've got to do what works for your family. Um, A lot of people, there are a lot of Greek choruses out there. Um, So it's important to understand every family's different. And just because you have a friend whose family does it one way doesn't mean you have to do it that way if it doesn't feel right for your family. That's awesome. That's really, really great. And what did, you told me something about when kids are 11 years old. What happens at 11 years old? There's research out there that that shows that children under the age of 11 can tend to adjust more easily to a parent's separation or divorce. Once they hit adolescent years, it's a little more challenging um, for, for different reasons. And, you know, I, and it's, it's a mistake to generalize and say every kid is like this and this holds true all the time. 
I don't think so. I think kids are very individual. Um, kids, you know, chronological age and their developmental age needs to be considered. Um, there's a whole range of, you know, we're all on a continuum with this in terms of, of how to handle. And, you know, within this process, you can talk about what makes sense and you can change your parenting agreement as you move forward. If you mutually agree on, you know, changing the time sharing with the children uh, or activities um, and how you want to handle those things. So I think you have to look at kids as individuals. I have three kids. Um, they're from the two same people and they're all three very different people. Right. So, <laughs> right, they each needed different things at different ages. Uh, so I think being able to customize that and being conscious of that um, and understanding that these little people have different needs. And kids, in my experience, are sometimes more resilient than us grown-ups. Oh, a thousand percent agree. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. You know, and we're putting all our grown-up stuff onto our kids, thinking that's where they are and what they're thinking. And that's oftentimes not the case. So, you know, kids need, young kids need to know about this much information uh, about why their parents aren't going to be married anymore. They don't need the details. They just need to know they're loved, that you're always going to be mommy and daddy, um, and you're going to have a safe, healthy home for them. Um, and that's the most important thing. Well, and I, I've heard that too with, with clients that I've worked with who have gone through divorces with younger the younger kids, that they worry about, okay, if they react this way or if they react this way, how can we do this, da, da, da. And most of the time, again, not all the time, everyone's different and things hit people at different ages, right? Who knows what will happen when these kids are 16 and if it will affect them differently. But most of the time with the little kids, the questions are like, will Santa know where to find me? Will I have two birthdays? <laughs> you know, things like yeah. that. Um, and I, I have seen a lot of parents be like, oh, phew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, human beings were inherently selfish, right? And, and so are children. So children's main concern should be to look to their parents for structure and security. That's what they need you for. So providing that love, providing um, the structure and the safety of a, a safe place to live, um, that's, that's what the, the kids need from their parents. And you mentioned a minute ago, not telling your kids much. Does that become a struggle with some of your clients as kids are older? Yeah. So I encourage people going through this with adult children or nearly adult children to let them be your children and to not let them be your confidant or the person you rely on to help you through this. Putting your kids in a situation where they're hearing one side or the other, and then for being put in a position where they may have to align with one parent or the other is not a position I like to see any child in. So instead, talking to family other than kids and, and friends and your therapist and or your clergy, whomever um, you feel supported by, rather than talking to your children is is something that I would recommend. I've, I've seen that in my work with people with adult children or, you know, teenage children, even like they're still your kid, <laughs> you know? And, um, I'm, I'm sure it's very difficult to do that and maintain those boundaries. It's hard because your spouse 
may or may not be a good spouse for you anymore. But doing your best to leave your kids out of that conflict, let them be a mom and dad, mom or dad to the child, um, is really important to the child's mental health, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So we already kind of talked about this, but in your opinion, what is the biggest like misconception or misunderstanding that you see in the field that you maybe talk about over and over again that you want to clear up? Uh, Right off the top of my head, I'd say there's a couple of them. First one being that, that you won't get a good durable agreement out of mediation. Um, You know, the way I work, I'm a facilitative mediator, uh, which means um, I believe in self-determination of the couples. So they know their lives better than anybody. And I think they should be the ones making the decisions on how to come apart. I also believe in informed consent. So I want to make sure they each understand New York state law, what they could be entitled to with equitable distribution, with support calculations, and then making the best decisions they have with all that information. Uh, So balancing those two out is important. And mediation does provide durable, long-lasting agreements because the couples have buy-in. They have created this agreement rather than being told what they have to do. So there's greater buy-in, greater durability for these agreements. So I I think for people who think that they're not going to get a fair shot in in this process or uh, what they could be entitled to um, wouldn't be available to them, the way I work, that's, that's, that's not the case. That's um, incredible. And then I'd say another misconception is that the mom is always going to get full custody of the children. Really? Interesting. Well, I think that goes way yeah. back, right? From when divorce was happening back in the 50s and 60s. That is pretty much what happened. Right. Um, but we're really seeing couples sharing in residency when it's possible and when it's appropriate. In most cases, people are really sharing time with the ki- with the kids. And that's so important to the children's development to have two parents um, involved as much as they can in the kids' lives. Now, granted, we have to look at the age of the children and, you know, work schedules of the parents. There's a lot of factors that go into this. Um, but just to understand, you know, we don't want mom or dad to feel, feel marginalized as a parent. Wow. That's incredible. It's, it's almost scary. Again, I've, I've known you for a few years, so I've just like learned a lot from being around you, but it's almost scary how little people know, right. And the misconceptions and the assumptions that we're coming in with, you know, from like what I said, what we hear on TV or maybe what was happening in the 50s or 60s or, you know, maybe someone we know had a had a horrible divorce. And so we're basing all of it off that. Like, I think it's so important that you and other mediators and lawyers and whoever else are able to say like, OK, it, it doesn't have to be like that. Like y- you two get to make the decisions because you two were the people in the relationship. Absolutely. They have the information. They're the experts in their lives, and they should be making those decisions, in my opinion. 
Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say, Renee, is that divorce, you can still kind of be okay-ish throughout the process. You can. Um, And again, it's not an easy process, but my whole goal is to support people where they're at, what their needs are, and they may be different from person to person and couple to couple, but it's about level of support. And I want to provide that as best as I can to each person in the room to make it as okay-ish as possible. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to find you, where can they find you? So my office is in Brighton uh, off of Allen's Creek Road. Uh, We're uh, in the park at Allen's Creek, uh, 150 Allen's Creek Road. Uh, You can find me uh, on my website at uh, mediation ctr.com. Um, my email is Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at mediationctr.com. Um, or you can call me uh, at 585-269-8140. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that people have. Uh, there is a lot of information on the website, but if you have other questions, please reach out. I love that. And I love how you worded it. And I'm I'm going to butcher it so, so you can jump in. But just because you start the mediation process doesn't mean you have to finish it. And also, it's not ending a family. It's redefining. Redefining a family. Thanks for helping people do that, Renee. Oh, absolutely. I, I love what I do. It's uh, some days are more challenging than others. But I feel like I'm, I'm really offering people a good service and um, helping guide them through this difficult time. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Go check out Renee. She, she does, I will second, she has great information on her website. It's great to learn about understanding your options, understanding what these, you know, buzzwords that we hear about actually mean. So thank you so much for being on here. Um, Oh, you're welcome. And if anybody goes to my website, uh, my video is need of updating. You will see that my hair is very dark. Um, that's still me. That was several years ago. <laughs> so, so people, people listening can't can't see Renee right now, but Renee has beautiful silvery hair. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I would pay a lot of money to get your hair color. <laughs> okay so i thought people could see me if you can't never mind (laughs) all right thanks renee (laughs) okay (laughs) thanks mary ellen bye disclaimer this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests if you disagree with any content presented herein please find another show before submitting nasty grams This is a Positive Vibes Only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.